This morning I want to uh, introduce my message by playing an audio clip uh, by Dr. David Gibbs. David Gibbs is currently the pastor of uh, a Baptist church somewhere, Trinity Baptist somewhere, and uh, I should have found out where, but, but prior to that he was the chief lawyer for the Christian Law Association. Uh, and I got to know him through the Accelerated Christian Education Movement, uh, where he was the top lawyer representing Christian schools and churches back in the 70s and 80s. He tried a lot of cases in court, uh, uh, fighting for the right of churches to have their own schools. You know, back in the day, it wasn't so accepted. There was a lot of persecution. And uh, David Gibbs was a, a fantastic lawyer. He's very articulate. And he tried cases even before the Supreme Court. He was kind of a forerunner to Jay Sekulow mm -hmm. and the uh, American Center for Law and Justice. And so uh, he's a little older than Jay Sekulow, but he kind of led the way in the Christian law field. And uh, he, uh, th this, uh, this audio is talking about following the voice of God. And so uh, if Irene can get that going now, we'll listen. Let's get ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here, and I fly a small airplane, and I can take you in my little airplane, and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much, but I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway, the plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing, and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes, and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me, and he said, we're going in the clouds, and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? Now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds, and you can't see anything. And he looks at me, and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling, and he passes out, passed out cold. Now, I grabbed him, and I shook him, and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now, we're in the clouds, flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there. 
and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're gonna crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand, without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage, and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice he said if you start watching the storm you will die but i'll take you through it now because they cleared all the traffic several pilots those nighttime freighters those 747 started talking to us they said we're praying for you men you're gonna make it but listen to the voice that's the key they said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. <laughs> Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. 
I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning, knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through a living sacrifice holy. Isn't that a great story? Follow the voice. Obey the voice. There is a voice that is certain. There is a voice that is clear. And there is a voice that is true. And different from all other voices that you're going to hear, this voice will lead you home safely. Can you say amen? There are many voices in the world that are vying for your attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 10, talks about this. If you want to look with me to 1 Corinthians 14, 10, the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he says there are... It may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. You see, we don't need to just hear the voice, but we need to comprehend what it means. We need to understand the voice. He said, Even so, ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Now he's talking about spiritual gifts here, tongues, interpretations, and prophecies. Verse 13, he says, Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. You see, if we don't understand the voice, and, and uh, the, the voice of the spirit is tongues, if we don't understand, then it's not going to benefit us. So we can't just be happy to hear noise. I've been in Pentecostal and charismatic churches my whole life. I mean, I grew up 
you know, playing in the dirt floor of a tabernacle while they shouted and jumped around and spoke in tongues all over the place. I had no understanding of what was going on. I could have gone to hell from that point because I didn't understand, but I sought to understand. I knew there was something significant going on, and I set myself to find out what it was. I think it's important for you as a spiritual being to have curiosity and to want to know not only what is God saying, but what does he mean by it. Right. Amen? And so he says, pray that you may be uh, you know, praying with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at any giving of thanks, seeing that he understandeth not what thou sayest? See, if the message isn't clear, there are going to be people who are just left in the dark. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other person is not edified. And he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So we're to hear God's voice, but we're to also be God's voice. You see, which person would you rather be? The guy in the airplane that's panicking, who doesn't know how to land the plane, or the guy in the air traffic control tower who's talking him down? Which one would you rather be? I think I'd rather be the voice than just the one who's seeking for the voice. But most Christians never tune in like that pilot did. No, uh, many Christians never even call out to God for help. They're in trouble. They're in the dark. They're having all kinds of bad things happen in their lives, but they don't even call out to God for direction. If they do, they don't do it in faith, believing that God's actually going to speak back to them. Do you know many Christians don't even know that God's still speaking. They think that somewhere along three, the year 300 A.D. at the Nicene Council of Churches, once they established the canon of Scripture, you know, that means, you know, the Holy Bible, once they decided what was going to go in it, that at that point, God became mute and God stopped speaking to people. And now we just have to read the Bible and find out, you know, and, uh, and understanding the Bible isn't all that easy if without, without the inner voice. You see, I, don't, I never did understand the Bible until I got born again by the Spirit, until the Holy Spirit entered into me, and then the Bible came alive. There are a lot of people who can quote Scripture, but they don't know God. They're spiritually dead. They're separated from God, even though they know Bible stories. And there are a lot of pastors preaching from pulpits this morning that are not saved. They've got head knowledge, but the voice of the Lord is not uh, uh, turned on in their lives. 
And so they're going, they're going by what they studied in cemetery, yes. seminary, what some other theologian told them who also may not have been saved, who might have been as spiritually dense as they are, and yet somehow another worked his way into a school of theology, and now he's teaching others, but he's, he's crashing them. He, he's like, he's like, a, he's like a, a third grader in the air, tra air traffic control tower. Doesn't know what he's doing. He's the blind, and he's leading the blind, and together they fall into the pit, the Bible says. So we don't need to be just lost. We don't need to be listening to all these lost voices, all, all, this, all this static that is in the world. Your body is part of that noise. The devil is part of that noise. We see that in the Garden of Eden. God said to Adam and Eve, do not, do not, do not eat the fruit of this tree. Do not. If you do, you will die. And so Eve, you know, she's standing there looking at it, lusting after it. Here comes the serpent walking on, on his hind legs, walking upright, probably a real pretty snake, and he can talk. And he says to Eve, he said, uh, what God said is not so. So there's a voice that contradicts the very voice of God. And then Eve, she begins to quote God, but she quotes God incorrectly. So she didn't hear, she did not hear what God said. She just partially listened. And so she misquotes God to the serpent. And then the serpent directly contradicts God and says it's not going to happen the way God said it's going to happen. And then her flesh was another voice. She looked at it and saw that it was good for the eating and good for making her wise. And so she became self-deceived. She got into agreement with the serpent, and she ignored the voice of God and ate the forbidden fruit and died became immediately cut off from God. And then her husband, instead of being a voice of truth and a voice of, of reason, she became the voice of the enemy to seduce her husband, and she gave it to her husband, and he ate too. That's correct. So their plane crashed. <laughs> because they ignored the voice of God and the instructions of the Lord. You see, if you hear God, the next step is to obey God. Don't just hear God and then go and do opposite of what he said. That was the mistake they made in the Garden of Eden. And it's the mistake that's been made by humankind all throughout history. God speaks, they halfway listen, and then they get their own idea Wherever they get it, you know, they find somebody that agrees with what they want to hear. They heap up themselves teachers that are having itching ears. That means they, they, uh, they, they disregard teachers that teach things they don't want to hear until they find somebody that will agree with them. 
I know people like that. They hop from church to church to church until they find a preacher that preaches things just exactly the way they want to hear them. Well, you're not that kind because you, you go to the church where you get your toes stepped on pretty regularly. And you, maybe you're a glutton for punishment or something. You like, you're like that guy that said, Pastor, I know that I'm in the right place because every time I come here, I get my toes stomped on. I said, well, you must love pain. You know, when are you going to change? You know, and he said, ah, there you go again. But the Bible believer, the Bible believer is a person who listens and tunes in to the voice of God. That, that means he believes there is such a thing. I grew up in uh, a major Pentecostal denomination, the largest one. And uh, there was this pastor that I, I got to know as a young man, as a teenager. He came and visited our church a couple times, and he was like the best friend of my pastor. And so I became a fan of his, and I've followed him all of his life until just recently he passed away. But he was pastoring one of the largest churches of that denomination in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And he had pastored that church for maybe 40 years. And it was a very large church and a very big influential church in that denomination and in that city. And the pastor was, the, was so well known that you just mentioned his name and everybody knew who he was. He was a very beloved man. Well, when I heard that he had died, you know, I, I immediately got to missing him. And so I went online and I found, uh, I found a, a sermon uh, online that he had preached. And so I, I hit play and I'm listening to that sermon. And this, this guy, this highly respected, very influential Man of God, godly man, Pentecostal, was ridiculing people who say they hear God's voice. He said, I've been a pastor for 50 some odd years, 60 years. He said, I've been, I've, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been in the uh, Pentecostal movement all my life. And, and uh, you know, and he said, not one time have I ever heard the voice of God. I was shocked. Now I, I expect that of you know a preacher from the first church of the frozen chosen. You know I expect that from somebody out of uh, you know uh, some anti uh, tongues organization. You know somebody who believes who believes that what we do is of the devil. I'd expect somebody like that. I'd expect a Mormon to say that or a Jehovah's Witness or even a Church of Christ. But not one, not one of our own kind. Especially this guy that I'd known and respected my whole life and admired and, and, uh, and wanted to be like him. And then to hear him say that never one time in his life had he ever heard the voice of God. And then he went on to give that standard uh, 
excuse of the Bible is the voice of God, and we ought to listen to what the Bible says, and and uh, and quit quit uh, listening to other voices. And and he indicated that anybody that does is into some kind of of uh, delusion or witchcraft or uh, listening to the voices of devils. But I happen to believe that God is a God of words. And everything God ever did, he did by using words. God said, and it was so. Is repeated over and over in the creation story. God said, and it, is, it was so. God said, let there be light, and light was. Everything that we have from God is a product of his spoken word. Not the written word. Nothing was created by throwing a Bible book at it. A lot of things have been destroyed by throwing Bible books at it, you know. But, uh, you know, and I'm not knocking the written word. I believe the written word is sacred and holy and given to us by God and is profitable for instruction and doctrine and reproof. It is our map. It's our handbook to life. But I also believe that the God who spoke to the scribes who wrote this book is the same God today as he was then. So that means he's not mute. He still speaks. And if he's still speaking, then there are people who are still listening. And there are people who can understand and discern and obey his voice. And I intend to be one of those people. I believe in the voice of God. Now, in John chapter 10, we have this wonderful chapter that's talking about the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, talking about false shepherds. And he describes the false shepherds uh, as uh, rustlers, thieves, who break in and steal. John 10.10, 10, he says, The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Everybody's familiar with John 10.10. 10, and they think that, that that verse, The thief that cometh not before to steal and kill, is the devil. Well, in the context, Jesus isn't referring to the devil. He's referring to false preachers false pastors, self-appointed shepherds that gain access to the flock of God illegally. They jump the fence. They don't come through the gate. Jesus says, I am the door to the sheepfold. He's the door to the sheepfold. And he says, I open the door and I let the shepherds come in and lead their flocks out to pasture. But he says the thief comes in some other way. See, there are false pastors who gained access to the flock of God through seminary education, or through the politics of religion, or through inheritance. You know, in a lot of places in the world, if, if a man goes and builds a church, the church is his property. And the church belongs to him. And when he dies, 
his son inherits the church and becomes the pastor of the church, whether he's saved or not. And uh, I have a friend, Rand Montgomery, who uh, back in the uh, early 2000s was a missionary in Pakistan. And he was stationed in, in Lahore, Pakistan, one of the large cities. And when he first got there, he would go to all the Christian churches and speak. And they would have him because he was an American and, you know, they wanted to, you know, have an American uh, missionary come speak in their church. And Pakistani churches are very poor churches because the only jobs that a Pakistani Christian can get are jobs like uh, custodians or uh, washing clothes or cooking or garbage collection, you know, the, the, low, the low, low end of the totem pole. If you were a Christian, you just, you just, if you had any job at all, you were blessed. And so these churches were, were poor churches. And he would go into these churches and he would preach the gospel. And the whole church would come forward at the altar call, including the pastor. None of them were saved. Now, they were a persecuted lot. They were suffering persecution because they weren't Muslim, because they were, quote, Christian. But they had none of them ever been born again. And there are a lot of people in this country that attend churches, work in churches, serve in churches, lead churches, that got there as undocumented Christians. Illegals. And they're receiving all the benefits of being a part of a church without any of the real benefits. Amen. They were never made citizens of heaven. And some of these churches are magnificent structures, beautiful buildings. Some of these preachers, you know, have all kinds of degrees and titles. And they're orators, and they can speak very effectively, and they can make people feel good about themselves, and they have really good self-improvement sermons. And they're involved in the community. Many good works, many charities. They participate in all kinds of things, good and bad. You can have a deacon on your board who's also the owner of a nightclub. Hey, hey. They don't see any contradiction there because they're not listening to the voice. They're listening to their own wisdom, their own understanding. And the Bible says very clearly we're not to lean to our own understanding. But in all of our ways acknowledge God and He will direct our paths. How's He going to direct our paths? With the voice. The voice of his written word, yes, and the voice of the Spirit that uses the written word to show us what to do. Amen. So uh, John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Everybody say, follow Jesus. You see, it's not good just to hear the voice. You've got to... Follow the voice. 
obey the voice. Verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There is safety and security in following the voice of Jesus. Amen. Now, the eternal security people use this uh, as one of the scriptures to support their, their, their idea that, that uh, you can never be lost. But he says, in the, in the context of this verse, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. There is security in hearing the voice of Jesus and following his voice. As long as you're doing that, you can't be lost. You cannot crash. And no other person, no man, can have any effect on your security, your salvation, your safety. Men might array themselves against you. Men might come after you. But as long as you're in his hand, you're safe. But you have been given the right of refusal. It's called choice. You can turn the radio off. And you can say, I'm going to fly this plane by my wits. You can say, well, Jesus is just one opinion. He's just one voice. I'm going to listen to other voices. And I'll find my own way. Well, what you'll do is you'll turn your airplane upside down. You'll lose direction. And you'll crash. Amen. A lot of so-called Christians have crashed. Some of them appeared to others to be very spiritual people, very anointed, very powerful, successful in ministry. And yet they crash and burn, leaving all the people who followed them thinking, if they can't make it, how am I going to make it? But you see, those who follow Jesus are not affected by someone else crashing and burning. I remember back a few years ago when a very well-known evangelist, if I were to mention his name, everybody here would know who I was talking about. He was a great evangelist, sang, played the piano, preached great sermons, got people saved all over the world. How many of you think you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, that evangelist, you know, great preacher, Anointed, a lot of people got saved. I've run across people my whole life who got saved listening to that guy preach. And yet one day he was discovered associating with prostitutes in Los Angeles. Come to find out it was a habit of his to kind of go off the grid and, and go and, and hire prostitutes. Well, when 
his sin was blabbed to the whole world. He got on television and repented, apologized, but the damage was done. Tens of thousands of people were disillusioned. I've known of people who just, just turned their back on the church, turned their back on God, and said, if that man can't make it, who can? Well, what was wrong? Well, he was wrong. He led people astray. And there's a special judgment for people who do that. Now, I believe the man has repented. He's still alive, by the way. He's in his mid to late 80s. He's still alive. He still has a ministry. He, he has gained some of his uh, status back, not nothing like it, ever, it was before. And he will probably make it to heaven. But there are a lot of people who won't because he became an unclear voice. Well, you know, I love the guy. Back when I was a teenager, I set up his book table for him and, his, and his, all his albums back in the back of the, uh, of the auditorium. And, uh, you know, I, I, I served him some. And, and I, I loved him. You know, and there was a time where I even, I even tried to preach like him. Only problem was I couldn't sing and I couldn't play and I couldn't do my hair the way he did. And, and so, you know, I had to develop my own preaching style. But that was a good thing because what was happening was I was focusing on the Lord and I was following the Lord for my life. And when this person shipwrecked, it upset me. I was, I was, I was sad for him and for those who followed him, but it did not alter my course at all because I was following Jesus, following the voice. It's important that you zero in on the voice early and never veer off. Hebrews 12, 25 says, Make very sure. Everybody say, make very sure. Now, this is the Passion Translation. Hebrews 12, 25 and the Passion. Make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when He speaks. Okay, you got to believe he speaks. <laughs> if you don't believe he speaks, you're not going to listen. You might be thinking, well, I've never heard him speak. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. You just didn't recognize He's speaking right now. There's three ways he's speaking right now. One, he's using my voice. He's speaking to you through me. I'm his messenger. Number two, he's using his word. Not just what we're reading, but what you already know. Some of you have had scriptures come up in your mind that you could add to my message. That's God speaking. He's using, what you, he's using the word that you have hidden in your heart. 
And the Holy Spirit is bringing those words up while I'm using other words. So you're hearing God through me. You're hearing God through the word that is in you. And the word that I'm sharing with you here on the screen. Amen. Amen. So God's speaking right now. Are you listening? Are you listening? Verse 26. No, let's, let's go back to uh, 25. Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? So God is speaking from heaven. The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain, but now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. Just like God's voice shook Mount Sinai, God has promised that he's going to shake the world systems with his voice. See, when God speaks, things move. When God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things begin to shake. God can shake up the politics. He can shake up the systems of this world and the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. When God speaks, Everything in creation is affected by it. Now this phrase, verse 27, now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is, the old order. We're hearing all, all every day we're hearing about the world order, the new world order, the old world order. Well, God's shaking it. He's removing things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights His heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. Verse 29, For our God is a holy, devouring fire. Amen. We're living in the days that he's talking about there when God is going to destroy the world order. What's he going to destroy it with? His voice. There's a psalm, uh, I can't remember which one it is, that talks about the voice of the Lord. is like the, the voice that breaks the cedars of Lebanon. You ought to read that psalm sometime. Just look it up. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Cedar is, is a very hard wood. And, and the, the psalmist is saying that God, when God speaks, it just shatters the hardest wood. His voice shakes the mountains, causes the nations to tremble. You need to learn to respect the voice. Revelation 1.10, John was on the Isle of Patmos 
And he said in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This is back to the King James. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Can you imagine just minding your own business, praying, and suddenly there's a voice right behind you as loud as a trumpet blast? You think John might have jumped? He said, I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Well, who was that? That was Jesus. He, he didn't hear somebody behind him reading the Bible. He heard somebody behind him that was the Word of God. The very personification of God's Word, God's voice is Jesus. And Jesus spoke to John on the Isle of Patmos in the last book of the Bible in the Age of Grace. Audibly. He said, I heard it as clear as a trumpet blast. I want to hear God's voice that loud and that clear. Now, I've, I've heard his voice in here pretty loud. When I was a teenager, I really had a hunger for God. And I would seek the Lord constantly. I was always in the Word. I never watched TV. Matter of fact, I mocked my family for watching TV. I came in one day from church, and they were watching TV. And I just started bowing before the TV and making fun of them. And my dad chased me out of the room. But that's how I felt about it. I was a fanatic. I would pray in tongues constantly. I'd go to my room, get in the Word, pray in the Spirit, pray, 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 and then get up the next morning and go about my day. One day I was driving along, 16 years old, in my car. I just freshly received my driver's license, and I was so excited because now I could go to church whenever I wanted to. I could go as early as I wanted to. I could stay as late as I wanted to, and I did. I was in church every night somewhere. I would, I would look in the paper, find out who's having revival, and I'd go there. I, was, I had a hunger for God. I'm driving along the freeway on my way to a, a youth meeting on Sunday evening. And there was a big curve in the road where the freeway went down and went under a couple underpasses and came up the other side. And right in that underpass, the, it curved. And I was about to go down into that curve, and there was an exit right there where you could exit and go on the road that went over the, the freeway. There was a stop sign. You could go cut across the freeway on top. Before I got to that exit, I heard the voice of the Lord, Exit now! I'm driving along, you know, and I hear in my spirit, exit now. I didn't, I didn't even touch the brakes. I just, I exited, stopped at the stop sign. And while I'm sitting at the stop sign, I heard bam, 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 bam. 
And I got out and looked over and looked down into that underpass and a Studebaker, a 56 souped up Studebaker had come around that curve at a high speed and had a blowout and had flipped over and bounced off of five cars in my lane that I would have been in. Several people were killed. The driver of the Studebaker was an off-duty off -duty policeman. He was killed. If I hadn't have obeyed the voice, I would have been in the middle of all that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the voice, and when I obeyed it, I found out later it saved me. Years later, when I had my own family, my wife and my two children, we were on our way from Broken Bow, Nebraska to Grand Island, Nebraska, which is about, what, 60 miles, something like that. That was the closest Walmart. And uh, on Mondays, we would, take, we would take Mondays off. Our kids were homeschooled, so we would take Mondays off as a family day, and we would drive to Grand Island or Kearney, and we would go to Walmart, and we would go grocery shopping, and we might go to a movie, and we would eat out at, you know, McDonald's, because we didn't have any in our town. We didn't have a Burger King in our town. We, we had nothing in our town but Sharon Jay's Taco Restaurant, you know. And we went there on Tuesdays. So we're driving along anticipating our wonderful day off. And I get about halfway there and I start feeling real uneasy. I start hearing this voice, turn back, turn back, turn back. So I said to my family, uh, we're, we're going to have to turn around and go home. What? Why? What? 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 What are you doing? We got. We got. We got. We got to go to Walmart. We got to. You know. I said no. I feel. I feel real uneasy in my spirit. And the Lord is telling me to turn around and go back. So they, you know, reluctantly agreed, because you know by then I'd whipped them into submission. Amen. And uh, so we turned the van around, and we went back home. And when I got into the house. I turned the news on, and the news was reporting that a tornado had crossed that highway right where we would have been and had derailed a 100-car a coal train, and the coal had gone all across the highway, and cars, the, the train cars were everywhere. Wheels had come off of them. I mean, it was a mess. And we would have been, I looked on the map, and, I, and we would have been right there if I hadn't turned around. And from that day forward, when I told my kids, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel easy about you doing this or that, they'd say, that's all you need to say, Dad. Why? Because the voice saved us. Now, I could tell you ten times more stories about when I didn't listen to the voice. But we don't want to go there. I want you to I want you to think I'm spiritual. But I have there have been times when the Holy Spirit was yelling at me and I ignored his voice. 
And it always cost me money, time, and a lot of humiliation and pain. You know the voice. You can call it your conscience. You can call it something told me. But when something tells you, you need to pay attention to that something, and you need to start giving him more respect and call him who he is, the Lord, the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord speaketh. And he's speaking right now. He speaks every day. You need to just say, I'm going to be a listener. Become a fruitful hearer of his voice. I want you to turn to Matthew 13. And we're going to look at this again in the King James Version, verse 16. This is a very familiar scripture. Don't tune me out because you know this. This is the parable of the sower. But I want you to hear something you may not have heard. We're talking about the voice, following the voice. Matthew 13, 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You see, he was talking about people who he spoke in parables to, and they asked him, why do you speak in parables to the masses? He said, because they have eyes, but they, they don't see with them. They have ears, but they won't listen with them. But he says, you're blessed. Your eyes are blessed because they see. Your ears are blessed because you listen. You see, a disciple is a seer and a listener. He sees what God is showing, and he hears what God is saying. A blessed disciple sees what God is showing and hears what God is saying. He said, Many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. You see, Jesus was the prophesied Messiah. And all the prophets spoke concerning the coming of the Messiah. And they wanted to see that day. They didn't see it except in the Spirit. They prophesied what they were seeing in the Spirit, but they longed to see that day fulfilled. And Jesus says, you're seeing the fulfillment of it. You're more blessed than the prophets. Well, we're more blessed than they are because we're seeing the end of the prophecy being fulfilled, the second coming of Jesus, the return of the Lord, and we're seeing all the signs of him coming and slapping his enemy silly. Yes. Yes, Everybody's always seeing signs of the Antichrist. We're seeing signs, oh, you know, they've, they've, they've got a whole herd now of those red heifers, and, and they're going to start sacrificing uh, sacrifices in Jerusalem. And, oh, isn't that something? I said, no, that's nothing compared to what God's doing. All that, all that uh, Hebrew worship being restored in Jerusalem is, is a sign of their rejection of Christ. And that's nothing to get excited about or rejoice over. What we need to be excited about is what God is doing in the earth. Amen? And have eyes to see that and ears to hear that. So he says in verse 18, Hear ye therefore... The parable of the sower. Here's something he wants to show us. 
So we need to see what he's saying and hear what he's saying. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which is sown in his heart. You see, if you hear the voice of God but you don't understand it, Satan easily steals it from you. So when you're, you do need to not only seek to hear, but you need to seek to understand. Because once you understand it, Satan can't take it. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receives seed into stony places, the same is he that hears the word. And anon with joy receiveth it. You see, he heard the word, and he joyfully received it. Yet he had no root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. You need to, you need to guard yourself against being offended by the persecution that comes against you when you say, I heard God. One time the Lord directed me to go on a 10-day fast. So I went out in, the, uh, in a state park in East Texas. I borrowed a guy's cab over a camper, and, uh, and I drove it out into this state park, Tyler State Park. And I parked it, and I stayed there for 10 days with nothing but water, just fasting and seeking God. And in that time, I heard from God. He told me to go back to my church and to announce to them that we were going to open a Christian school. So I just immediately obeyed. I went back to my church. I called a meeting and I said, God's instructed me that we're to open a Christian school. One lady who was a public school teacher jumped up, shook her fist at me, and walked out. Never came back. And she was born and raised in that church. My deacon board says, you can, you can obey God if you want to, but God hasn't spoken to us, so the church is not going to pay for it. You're going to have to raise all the money on your own. You can't use the church to raise the money. You can't say anything in the pulpit about the money you need to start this school. I needed several thousand dollars. And I said, well, you know where God guides, God provides. <laughs> By the way, I was 29 years old. But I'd heard the voice of God. But I found out that just because you hear the voice of God doesn't mean that others aren't going to come against you. And I could have been offended and said, well, majority rules. But no, I was always of the mind that God rules. And man, if he has a vote, his only vote is, yes, God. But they didn't see it that way. And so, you know, they ruled that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't use the church and I couldn't raise the money through the church. And so my wife and I, we just prayed. I had a wife who stood by me, even though 
She didn't hear what God told me out in Tyler State Park. But she believed in me. And she had followed me in, into a lot of places. And uh, she was loyal. I had church members that were loyal. But that issue split the church down the middle. Half of them wanted the school and put, were willing to put their kids in it. The other half didn't want anything to do with it and were offended because we went to public school and we turned out all right. We turned out all right. We turned out all right. They were blind. They couldn't see. And I wasn't trying to offend the public school. Matter of fact, for the next three years in a row, the public school graduating class it voted for me to be their baccalaureate speaker. After I opened my own school, the public school seniors were asking me to come and be their baccalaureate speaker. Had a good relationship with the community. They were not offended at all, but my deacons were. You know what defended the deacons is I did something without their permission. Even though they tacitly gave me their permission by saying, if you can raise the money, you can start it. <laughs> I needed $6,000. And one day I'm sitting in my office and a truck driver, he drove one of these uh, car carriers. That kind of a truck driver. He comes into my office He's got his truck parked out in the parking lot with, loaded with cars. He's on, a, he's on a run. He said, I just wanted to come in. He said, God told me to give you some money. And he laid $6,000 and $100 bills on my desk. He didn't even have any kids. So I started. I started without them, without the deacons. We used to open the school. We had 35 students the first, the first uh, uh, in September. The deacons had another meeting, and they said, well, since you're using our building, you're going to have to pay rent. And I said, well, how much rent are you, are you going to charge us? He, they said, $2,000 a month. This was 1980. We paid rent. We had 35 students. We were charging tuition. We had teachers. And we were making enough money that I could pay the rent. They didn't think I'd make one payment. So I paid September rent, and then I paid October rent. Well, by the end of October, they realized they weren't going to stop me. So they had another meeting on my birthday. I was 30 years old that day. They called me in and they said, we think it's time for you to hit the road, Jack, and don't look back. Now, they didn't say it in those words. They said something like this. We want, to appreciate, we want to tell you how much we appreciate the six years you've been our pastor. Our church has gone from an old, broken down, fallen down building to this brand new building that's almost paid for. We bought new land, six acres, and, and, and uh, we've got this beautiful building and and uh, we've got three times as many members, and we've got about four times as much income. And you've done a great job, but we've had enough, and we think it's time for you to move on. Happy birthday. So why am I telling you this story? Well, in my heart, I've forgiven those people. 
And in my heart, you know, that's a long time ago. That's ancient history. But what, what was happening there, I had heard the voice of God. And I was proceeding to obey the voice of God. But I was getting hammered by so-called Christians who didn't hear the voice of God and didn't believe I could either. And if I'd become offended, I wouldn't have had the results I had. By the way, I did leave that church. I, I got permission from my denomination to go start another church across town, which they never give. And I moved over. I'm not mentioning the name. I moved over there and took the school with me. Because they said, I said, what are you going to do with the school if I leave? They said, well, we're going to shut it down. I said, well, I'm taking it with me then. So I took the school with me. I took the students with me, all the church members that were in favor of the school. We went over there, and we started a brand new church called Faith Chapel. And God blessed us there. And we stayed three more years and outlived all the lies and rumors that they had told about me. They said I was a drunkard, and that's the reason why I had to leave. They said all kinds of things like that. And, uh, you know, and they spread all these kinds of rumors. And so I stayed three more years and outlived all the rumors. What, am I, what I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not always easy to follow the voice. Because your, your, your friends, your family, other people will push back against it. But notice what he said here in verse 23. He that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some an hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. There will always be fruit when you hear God's voice and understand it. There will always be fruit. And to this day, I receive text messages and Facebook messages and, um, and phone calls occasionally from people that were children in that school and now they're adults. Some of them are grandparents that are still going on with God. And they look at me with great fondness and affection because I heard from God and it brought fruit in their lives. Amen? Some of them you know. Some of them I've introduced to you. Some are missionaries. You know, some of the parents, Don and Becky Cameron. Don, Don Cameron was our first bus driver. He was the only deacon in that church, by the way, that didn't turn against me. So you know what they did? Two weeks before they got rid of me, they got rid of him. And, uh, you know, it was, it was sad. But God has redeemed it all. Amen. Amen. God, God has redeemed it all. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying no matter what it costs you, be the person that's always seeking for God's voice, always listening for God's voice. And then when you hear it, seek for understanding so that you can obey it. And obey it no matter what the cost. Persecution will arise for the word's sake. I can't tell you, you know, how many times I've gone home and told my family, my parents, 
God told me to do this, and God told me to do that, and they would do everything they could to talk me out of it. I remember my mother-in-law, my, the only mother-in-law I've ever had, we told her that we were moving 500 miles away to pastor a church. She turns to my wife, her daughter, and says, can't Ronnie find work closer to home? You see, she didn't understand. She knew that God had spoken. She knew we were following the voice of God, and she was okay with that. But she, she just didn't understand why God wouldn't give us a church locally. And I remember when I was in the U-Haul truck with all my worldly goods heading towards Broken Bow, Nebraska. And I crossed, you know, into Oklahoma and Guyman, Oklahoma and Liberal, Kansas, Garden City, Kansas, and all, all north. And all, all the way through, you know, I was passing churches. And I was thinking, Lord, why, didn't you, why can't I pastor that church? Why can't I pastor that church? I passed some really good churches and went through some beautiful towns. Then I drove into Broken Bow, Nebraska, and you could smell feedlot. And the air was brown. As the sun's going down and the streetlights came on, the air was brown. Because Broken Bow is surrounded by cattle feed yards and swine yards, pig lots. So no matter which way the wind is blowing, you're catching it. I lived there Six years and never did really get to open our windows and smell the fresh air. But if I hadn't have gone to Broken Bow, Nebraska, I never would have met Robert and Irene and John and Lisa. God enriched my life. And I mean that sincerely. These are great people. And there's many others. I mean, I didn't bring them all with me. I, I would have, but, you know, but God blessed us. And my mother-in-law, she's gone on to be with Jesus. So is my wife and others, my parents. They're all in heaven now, and they understand. Yeah. Now they understand. A lot of times people say, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. And I'll, many times I'm in agreement with them. I don't, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I know as long as I trust the voice and follow the voice, even though I may be flying in the clouds and I may be upside down, flying backwards, I don't know. My flesh may be screaming at me, turn, turn, turn. Other people, other voices may be saying, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. But if I can stay tuned in to the one voice that counts, I'm going to be okay. And so are those that are with me. Amen? I'm committed not to crash and burn. Can you say praise the Lord? Well, I hope that blessed you and ministered to you. It went a little long. And so we're just going to dismiss. And uh, uh, I'll see you next Sunday. So stand up with me right now. And I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I want you to say, follow the voice. Point at him. And say, follow the voice. Amen. Amen. If you, if you don't remember everything I said, I sure hope you remember that David Gibbs story. What a story. Amen.
and uh, all you got to you can find that just just look up David Gibbs on YouTube and he's got a lot of sermons and he is a great he is a great speaker. I think you'd be blessed by listening to his other messages. Just don't forget to listen to mine.